Can we all just agree that the Kings and Lakers play in game needs to happen at this point, or at least it would be poetic justice in so many ways for the Kings to play their first postseason game against the Lakers. Based off of how these two Kings and Lakers games in Los Angeles have gone, I'm intentionally leaving out the Kings getting their ass kicked in Sacramento against the Lakers. But based off of those two games in LA, it would be a highly entertaining play-in game. These two teams seem to match up really, really well. Unfortunately, the Kings couldn't repeat their triple overtime win earlier on in the season, falling in this Tuesday night battle to LeBron James and the Lakers, a game that was fun, a game that was entertaining. Some certainly bad things for the Kings that they need to correct a great performance from De'Aaron Fox, great performance from Buddy Heald. And really, even though they didn't win both games, two back-to-back -back solid performances for the Kings as a whole to start 2022. We'll talk about it on today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast. <laughs> You are Locked On Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time, time for another episode of Locked On Kings. Hello and welcome to Locked on Kings, your podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all regular season and all off season. If you're looking for in-depth analysis, game-by-game -game breakdowns, highlights, interviews with local and national experts, full coverage of the Sacramento Kings from January through December, this is the place for you, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I've been a Sacramento sports media member for the last seven years. This is my eighth season covering Kings basketball, uh, formerly for Sports 1140 KHDK Radio in Sacramento, now with ABC 10 News and and television. And before we jump into today's episode, I want to apologize about the lack of content over the recent days. Certainly not the uh, the release schedule and the level of production uh, that you have been expecting and have grown to expect out of Locked On Kings with the uh, mixture of a family vacation, the holidays, uh, having a newborn baby, and uh, battling a little bit of a cold. The uh, the, the production amount, the, the amount of episodes, the time to record episodes uh, was not as high here to start uh, 2022 and to end 2021 really but that is in the past i'm on the mend you can still hear a little bit of the the uh the congestion in my voice but i'm feeling great uh and based off of how that that king's win over the miami heat went i was very excited uh, to start the 2022 year officially here on the locked on kings podcast so we should be back to our normal schedule or close to our normal schedule with the volume of content uh starting with tonight's podcast and we will talk a little bit about the king's win over the miami heat because i didn't do a post game episode for that. Uh, but really, of course, we're going to focus uh, on the most recent game, the Kings lost to the Lakers uh, inside of, I always want to call it the Staples Center. It's always going to be the Staples Center to me, just like um, the Sleep Train Arena in Sacramento will always be Arco Arena to myself and so many Kings fans here. What is it called? Like crypto something or another arena down in LA? Who cares? It's the Staples Center. It's where the Los Angeles Lakers and Clippers, but mainly the Los Angeles Lakers play. Uh, and the Kings have had a lot of success in that building against the Lakers and Clippers over recent seasons, including last time the Kings and the Lakers played inside uh, that building. The Kings won a triple overtime classic battle uh, in a game that LeBron James played in. Then when the Kings and uh, Lakers played in Sacramento, LeBron didn't play in that game and not only did the Lakers fans come in and take over that building, the Lakers themselves took over uh, and completely dominated and really embarrassed the Sacramento Kings in that effort. So truth be told, like I would love 
just based off of how two of these three, hopefully three out of the four uh, games go between these two teams, I would love to see a Kings and Lakers play in game. But <laughs> to be honest with you, I almost have more confidence in that game being played in LA uh, than I would if it were uh, were played in Sacramento, that single elimination game, um, just based off of how much better the Kings have been on the road and how much success they've had uh, in that building. And that success is not just for like the Kings as a team. There's some, been some individual successes. De'Aaron Fox played a really good game tonight. We'll talk about that. Buddy healed every time he plays the Lakers. You can tell he's playing with a little extra chip on his shoulder as the the Lakers decided to trade for Russell Westbrook instead of him uh, during this upcoming or during this uh, this former offseason. So there's always these these little nuggets, these little bits of uh, reasons to pay extra attention uh, to Kings and Lakers. And naturally, uh, there's always the the bringing up of, of the 2002 season, which I know I'm guilty of it, too, but I'm honestly kind of tired of it, especially when you have a moment like how this Kings and Lakers game ended a very strange uh, ending to this game, even though overall it was a very well officiated, I thought very back and forth, extremely entertaining game uh, for both sides. But you knew the Lakers were going to go on their run. You knew LeBron James, who had really been struggling shooting the basketball for the majority of the night. You knew that he was going to get going, even though I think the um, over-the-top flexing and pounding on his chest and turning to the Kings bench and saying he's a mother-effing problem uh, against a team that is, what, like 16-23 and 23 now uh, in January. I think that's a little bit excessive, but you know what? It's LeBron James. He's the greatest basketball player, at least of my generation, um, and not the greatest Laker. That, that belongs to Kobe Bryant, of course, uh, but in terms of just player who I've grown up watching, LeBron is absolutely the easiest uh, pick for me to, to say he's the, he's the goat. He's the best. But that being said, it's very easy to hate on the guy with all of his theatrics and over the top celebrations and moments like that, or when he gets poked in the eye or when he gets fouled and, and he goes down, like he's just been shot. Like it's, it's very easy to hate on LeBron James, but I also have to give him respect for how he was able to take over there uh, in that fourth quarter. But the game just had a strange ending to it with, uh, Russell Westbrook, I think, missing a free throw. And uh, there was a clock malfunction. They started the clock too early, but De'Aaron didn't grab the ball. He intentionally didn't touch the ball so that the Kings would, I guess, buy an extra second, even though they took like seven seconds or something to initially foul um, to, to send the Lakers to the line, which was just very strange. Um, but I guess the call by the officials is correct. They went back and reviewed it. And since nobody had possession, it's technically in the rule book, a jump ball. It's just unfortunate. And the Kings do kind of get screwed in a way because nobody, but the Kings were getting possession of that ball. Nobody, but De'Aaron Fox was touching that ball. He just didn't touch it. So it's unfortunate that a rule in the rule book goes against the Kings. Hey, it's a lesson learned. It's a strange way to end the game. It's by no means why the Kings lost the game. And naturally everybody's going to go, Hey, 2002, what a surprise. Kings are getting screwed over by the Laker or by the uh, referees uh, inside uh, of the Staples center or inside LA against the Lakers, blah, 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 blah. We don't need to bring it up every single time we know. And in the end, um, that that call really had very little to do with this game that the Kings lost 122 to 114. Now that, that final score too, is also a bit misleading because eight points sounds like it was a mo much more comfortable win for the Lakers than what uh, it actually was. The, the There are some things, of course, to be concerned about from the Kings in this game, which we'll get into. But what I do want to focus on to start with, and this is not necessarily trying to be like a, a, a preaching silver lining because the Kings still lost a very winnable game and they've lost a handful of winnable games so far this season. I just want to focus on the fact that to start 2022, these two games that the Kings have played, the win against Miami at home, and then this uh, this loss to the Lakers tonight, 
It's not the first time this season that we've seen the Kings put together what I call full efforts, which I used to call them complete game efforts, but those are nearly impossible. It's very difficult in the NBA to put together 48 minutes of, of good, solid basketball. But what I mean by a full effort is we didn't see the Kings drop off heavily at any point in time. Now, runs and dropping off are very different things. Like the Lakers went on a, I think, 9-0 run at the start of the second quarter. They scored 37 points, which is far too many points in the fourth quarter. So the, there, of course, were areas that weren't great for the Kings. Not like they played excellent uh, for all 48 minutes or for all four quarters. But basketball is a game of runs. Runs are going to happen. A team is going to score 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 points uh, unanswered. It's how you respond to that and build off of that. And the difference between allowing a run, which just is going to happen, it's always going to happen regardless of who you're playing, and completely falling apart in a quarter, those differences are, are significant. And in these two games, we've seen the Kings avoid those collapses, which typically with this team happens in the third quarter. In both these games, that didn't. Both teams came out with adjustments in the second half. Uh, the Kings actually, I think it was either to end the third or start the fourth. It might have been to start the fourth quarter. The Kings went on an 11. It was the start of the fourth quarter. went on an 11-0 run uh, of their own. But the Kings uh, were outscored only by four points in the uh, third quarter, 28 uh, to 24. It, this is what this team needs to do more of, is just full effort for a four quarter game. And maybe effort isn't necessarily the right word all the time, because a lot of times we don't have to question how hard the Kings are playing. We question how smart the Kings are playing. And overall, in these two games, the Kings played both hard uh, and smart when they had to still made mistakes. They're definitely not perfect. But when the Kings put together games like this, where for the majority of the game, they avoid the collapses and they, they play consistent, play to their strengths, they are in games. Like they are always or almost always going to be in a game when they play like that because that's how talented this team is. They're good enough to hang with anybody in this league, not beat anybody on a consistent basis or everybody on a consistent basis, but they are good enough to compete and be in every single game. This team should be in all 82 games that they play I know anomalies happen, bad shooting nights happen, or offensive explosions from opponents happen to where you do get blown out, even if you're a good team every now and then. We see it all the time. But the amount of times the Kings have completely fallen out of games is definitely unnecessary for this team and completely avoidable. So when the Kings play this way, regardless if they're playing a underachieving Lakers team or they're playing the Phoenix Suns or Golden State Warriors, who we've seen the team play well against and even beat uh, Milwaukee Bucks, doesn't matter. Insert really good team here. If the Kings put together a full effort, they are in those games consistently. It's what we saw from this team really uh, to start the season. So full efforts are incredibly important. That being said, you have to finish off those efforts better than the Kings finished off this game. Again, I mentioned allowing 37 points in the fourth quarter. That cannot happen. Uh, the Kings only forced five Lakers turnovers, even though overall, I thought the Kings played a pretty solid defensive game. They still gave up 122 points in the fourth quarter. Had a lot to do with that, obviously. But overall, defensively, I thought the Kings did a pretty solid job in this game. They didn't really let one guy beat them. You look at the box score and you see, oh, LeBron James had 31 points. Jesus. It was a pretty unimpressive 31 points for LeBron, but that's just LeBron being LeBron, right? He shot 12 of 26 from the field, really didn't get going until the fourth quarter. It was having a horrendous shooting performance from three-point range. I think it was one of eight in his first, 
yeah, he's one of eight to start the game from three-point range and then hit um, two big three-pointers uh, in the fourth quarter when he and Buddy Heald got into a little bit of a shootout. We'll talk about Buddy Heald as well. Uh, 24 points from Malik Monk. You want to make sure you're limiting the damage that you're getting from guys not named LeBron James on this Lakers roster. Monk has been, I think, pretty solid for the Lakers all season long. He's a good fit there, um, and he's not a guy that I wouldn't mind seeing in a, a, a Lakers jersey, or rather a Kings jersey, that's for sure. Uh, Monk getting 24, getting killed by Horton Tucker uh, for 19 points off the bench. Uh, and then Dwight Howard made a big difference in this game uh, when the, the the Kings were doing, I thought, relatively well, taking on a, a small Lakers squad that's been starting LeBron James at the center. When Dwight Howard came in, the physicality changed and the Kings struggled uh, to keep the Lakers and Howard specifically out of the paint and off the offensive glass. That's what really allowed the Lakers to get going after, I thought, a very solid start to this game for the Kings. But we have to talk about the, the play of De'Aaron Fox, talk about the play of Buddy Heald. I want to talk a little bit about Marvin Bagley, continuing giving praise for him. I want to talk about the play uh, of Damian Jones, who's been starting at center with Rashawn Holmes back in uh, health and safety, or I shouldn't say back. He's back out of games this time for health and safety reasons, nothing to do with his eye injury that he suffered. Uh, so we're going to talk about all of that uh, and then some still to come. Right now, though, I want to let you know today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast is brought to you by Truebill. Do you know why free trials renew without your consent? It's a business scam to get your money out of you really without you knowing. Don't let greedy corporations pocket your money. Download Truebill to take control of your subscriptions. Truebill is a must-have app for 2022. It's the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions that you don't need, want, or you simply forgot about. And you might roll your eyes thinking, I wouldn't forget about my subscriptions. I, I can manage my money. Good for you. Someone like me, I forget things quite often. I used to mock people for living off of a calendar. Now, if something's not in my calendar or written down, I will forget about it. And I forgot about two or three subscriptions that I didn't know I was paying on a monthly basis that Truebill helped me cancel right away, immediately saved me money. And on average, people save up to $720 a year with Truebill. Your Truebill concierge is there when you need them to cancel unwanted subscriptions so you don't have to. Truebill has over 2 million users and has helped save them over $100 million. Don't fall for subscription scams. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. That's Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA couple things with De'Aaron Fox that I want to talk about in this game. Number one is he looked fantastic. He finished uh, with 30 points, 12 of 21 shooting. He was fluid. He was smooth. He's really back to that De'Aaron Fox status that we expected coming into the season that we saw a lot last season. Now, he's not at the... 38, 39, 40 plus point takeover De'Aaron Fox that we've seen, although he did take over a scoring, I think the final 11 points or scoring 11 of his points in the fourth quarter against the Miami Heat. I don't know if I've got that right. And he was coming off of a very good game where he got to the line like 15 times uh, against Miami and knocked down all but one of those free throws. Like that's a phenomenal stat for De'Aaron. Unfortunately, he wasn't able to build off that, only get into the foul line four times. And uh, he hit all four of them, which is good news. But De'Aaron, he just looks comfortable. He looks confident. He looks like he knows uh, how to fit in now with everybody that he's playing with, including Tyrese Halliburton. Unfortunately, Tyrese had a really rough game. Uh, and when you're only getting seven points out of Tyrese, even if you're still able to get nine assists, and, and don't get me wrong, it's not like Tyrese was horrible or anything, but when you're only getting seven points of production out of Tyrese Halliburton, 
it's going to be very difficult for you to win regardless of your opponent. And Tyrese, before uh, this game, has been on just an incredible stretch of games recently. I actually have these numbers uh, here in front of you. Over the last week, uh, with the Kings going 3-1, and one, he was averaging 15 points per game, shooting 51% from the field, 11 of 19 from three-point range. Uh, was averaging 10.5 assists per game, tied for first with Chris Paul, and also averaging 5.5 rebounds per game. Now, of course, those numbers dropped off in this loss to the LA Lakers, and it's no surprise that when those numbers drop off, the Kings' chances of winning drop off as well. But I do give Sacramento a hell of a lot of credit, not only for continuing to be in this game with Tyrese struggling, but also continuing to be in this game and keeping it close despite turning the ball over 18 times for 21 Lakers uh, points. Now, I'm not crediting this team and forgiving them uh, for turning the ball over that much. You need to do a better job of taking care of the basketball, especially when you're only forcing five turnovers on the other end. But in a lot of times we see the game Kings turn over the ball 18 times, give up 21 points to a Lakers team off of turnovers. They're going to be lucky to be in that game at all. So yeah, you could easily point to that stat and say that is mainly where the Kings lost the game. I could also point to uh, too many offensive rebounds for the Lakers. And I could point to Tyrese Halliburton, not having that great of a game, but overall, um, I, I give the Kings credit for being able to overcome those things and at least give themselves a chance to win. That being said, Tyrese has got to be better. De'Aaron has looked really, really good. And I also want to focus with De'Aaron Fox on something that caught my attention in tonight's game. And of course, I was watching on TV with uh, with everybody else, unless you were fortunate enough to, to be in LA at the game. If you were, please feel free to share what perspective you saw from being uh, in the arena. But the camera caught De'Aaron Fox communicating a lot tonight. Now, this is something that he does more often than he gets credit for and more often than the camera catches him. But this is the leadership of De'Aaron Fox that goes beyond just leading by example. And this is the leadership that De'Aaron Fox admittedly has been working on over the last couple of seasons. And you really saw it on display in this game. While he was scoring, he was being effective. He was having success. You could see him communicating constantly with Damian Jones, especially on the defensive end, amongst all of his other teammates. Like that is the De'Aaron Fox leadership that you can get that doesn't involve screaming and yelling and the passion that maybe I or others uh, have asked for more often than not. Now, do I want to see maybe a little more out of De'Aaron sometimes? Yeah, I would like I would like to see that. But we did get glimpses of, okay, this is how De'Aaron communicates. This is how he's leading. He's not just zipping his lip and not talking. He is clearly out there leading, sharing his voice, making sure his voice is heard. Uh, and the camera caught that tonight. So I want to make sure to give uh, that credit. I also want to give credit to Damian Jones and how he's played. I mean, starting wise, he matched up with LeBron James. Damian Jones is the epitome of the guy that just stays ready. I mean, he has been in and out of the rotation all season long was playing behind not only Rashawn Holmes as a starter, but Tristan Thompson and Alex Len fighting for minutes. We didn't know when his spot and when his number was going to be called. And you can kind of say the same thing with Chemezi Metu. Uh, Metu, unfortunately, not playing in this game as he has now entered uh, health and safety protocols as well. But Damian Jones has stayed ready. Uh, and he's come in and now finds himself as the starting center, even though Thompson and Len are both available for the Kings. Alvin Gentry trusts him enough 
uh, to, to start in that center spot. And he's been given the Kings a boost. He had an 18 point, 10 rebound, double, double in the win over the Miami heat, not as effective in this game, 11 points, only four rebounds. You want that number to come up, but again, he had the uh, tough task of guarding LeBron James. So was not around the rim nearly as much as normal. And he, as well as the rest of the team, minus Alex Len struggled to deal, uh, with Dwight Howard when he came into the game, but I thought Damian Jones played well. He and, and Davion Mitchell had a couple really good defensive, um, stands and 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 uh, possessions back-to-back -back against LeBron early on in the fourth quarter. Uh, didn't back down from the challenge. So Damian Jones deserves a lot of credit for that. And yes, Buddy Heald, who I'm more critical of and most people are more critical of on this team than anybody else, Buddy Heald deserves a lot of credit because he's had back-to-back -back really solid games. He's still shooting a little bit too much for my liking, but 26 points off of the bench, 8 of 18 from the field, 7 of 13 from three-point range. That's over 50%. So definitely hard to be mad at that. Uh, one thing I've always admired about Buddy Heald is that he he just has an incredible confidence in his ability to shoot incredible confidence into the game in, or in, in his game. And it's a confidence that I wish I had in more things uh, in my life. Now, sometimes that confidence can become overconfidence and cockiness that gets him into trouble, especially when he takes a far too high volume of shots or will shoot a very early in the shot clock deep three-pointer for no reason. But Buddy came into this game and the first time the, the ball touched his hands, he had a, a really quick Ray Allen-esque release and he made a side three. Now, Buddy making his first three doesn't always mean that he's going to have a good game, but you could sell he was bringing the momentum in from his solid performance against the Miami Heat a couple of days ago. And that carried out throughout the entire game to where he and LeBron even got into a back-to-back a, a -back three shootout uh, in the fourth quarter. Buddy Heald was, was very good in this game. And, you know, it doesn't surprise me that Buddy, who was also very good when the Kings beat the Lakers in triple overtime uh, in, in LA earlier in the season, it doesn't surprise me that Buddy gets up a little bit more for this game against the Lakers when he knew, as we all believed, um, or he thought we all believed that he was going to be headed uh, to Los Angeles. Like, as far as I know from the people that I've talked to, Buddy Heald believed he was a Laker and was making every plan to move to LA. We also have heard, or at least I have heard, that both Montrez Harrell and Kyle Kuzma were looking at places to live in Sacramento. Like, everybody thought that that trade was going to happen around draft night. And instead, the Lakers decided to choose Russell Westbrook. Now, Westbrook obviously has the pedigree. He's an all-star. He has a former MVP. Um, so it's not tremendously surprising that the Lakers made that decision. But Buddy Heald, you can tell, I don't know if he took that personally, but you can tell that's on his mind when he plays the Lakers and he seems to always play pretty solid or has played solid against the Lakers so far this season. Speaking of Russell Westbrook, he finished with 19 points on 7 of 19 shooting. Was his typical inefficient... Um, or had his typical inefficiency, except Russell didn't turn the ball over at all. And that's very significant for Russell Westbrook because if you know Russell's game, he turns the ball over a ton. I think it's the first time that he's had zero turnovers in like 33 plus minutes this season or something like that. Uh, yeah, the Kings need to do better about forcing a guy who makes a lot of mistakes to, you know, make mistakes. Can't let him go through an entire game uh, without making a mistake and expect to beat him and the team that he's on. So, uh, that, that of course needs to get better, but I do give a lot of credit, um, to Buddy Hill. Do still want to talk about Marvin Bagley a little bit. Uh, plus the Kings are, are playing every single game over the, uh, this, this next stretch in California. Is that a significant thing? I don't know. We'll talk about that uh, a little bit and then some still coming up here in just a second.
You look at the box score for Marvin Bagley and you're not going to be too impressed. You might like the 12 rebounds, which he had, I think, in the third quarter. Uh, did get hurt later in the second half, which is why he only played 23 minutes. He easily would have played, in my opinion, close to 30, if not over 30 minutes with uh, how solid that I thought uh, he was playing, especially crashing the glass. Um, but Marvin did go to the, the locker room at one point, then did come back out of the locker room uh, and was on the bench for the Kings to end the game, only finished with four points. So nothing extremely sexy about his stat line other than those rebounds. But watching Marvin Bagley play this season and really over the last month or so as he's gained more playing time and gained more confidence from uh, Alvin Gentry and as part of Alvin Gentry's rotation, you can see where Marvin has made strides. And I talked about this on my final podcast of 2021, giving uh, Bagley his roses a little bit for how he's improved on the defensive end, uh, talking about how he's done a significantly better job allowing the game to, to come to him, slowing down, being less tunnel visioned on offense. But one area of his game that I, I think you should pay attention to is watch how good he's become at recognizing, forcing, and taking advantage of mismatches. Like the amount of times teams will switch every time they run a, a Marvin Bagley pick and roll or anytime Marvin sets a screen, the majority of the time, uh, and this just happens in the NBA period, a switch is happening. So the smaller guard or whoever uh, is guarding um, who Bagley is setting the screen for switches onto him. So typically it's an undersized guard. Marvin has done a much better job at finding ways to isolate and take advantage of that uh, mismatch. And a good example of that, this happened in the first half. Marvin set a screen for De'Aaron and got Avery Bradley switched onto him. Marvin gets the ball and doesn't really, isn't really set, is kind of facing Avery, does have a lot of room on the right-hand side, um, but decides to give the ball back to De'Aaron, then get himself into position on the block, backing Avery down, gets the ball back, recognizes a double team is coming, so he's patient enough to wait and pick the right spot to attack Bradley and attack that mismatch, but he's still quick enough to make his move before the double team can come uh, and, and cut him off. He was fouled, uh, finished the play, went to the line, completed the three-point play, I believe. Maybe, nope. Yeah, he, he actually missed the free throw, uh, but didn't did have an opportunity uh, at the three-point play. That is, it sounds so simple because it's fundamental basketball that most good players do on a nightly basis, most NBA players do on a nightly basis, but that's a play that Marvin wasn't really making two years ago, three years ago uh, when he, he came into the NBA. As soon as the ball was touching his hands, he was forcing everything left, and he was even struggling as a big to back down guards with the strength of Avery. Now he's able to uh, to handle Avery Bradley's strength. He's able to get to those spots and score and be effective and really utilize or take advantage of uh, that mismatch. So that's a credit that I wanted to give to Marvin Bagley and something that jumped off the page for me uh, in this game. But I mentioned uh, the upcoming schedule for the Sacramento Kings. I mean, they, they have a quick turnaround as they're back in Sacramento for a, a meeting with the Atlanta Hawks tomorrow. That is a tough matchup. I do believe that uh, Trey Young, amongst others, is questionable uh, for that game as the Hawks have been dealing with their own COVID issues just like every single team has. Uh, but this gets, uh, this gets a little rocky and rough um, for the Kings. I, I misspoke a little bit earlier. The Kings were wrapping up a stretch, not going into a stretch, but wrapping up a stretch where they've played basically every single game uh, in California, had more than their fair share of opportunities in December. Uh, and I think they went six and four in 10 games at home, which is improvement with this team, how much they'd struggled at home to start the season. But overall, they still need to do a better job of taking care of their home floor. And that includes tomorrow night in a winnable game against Atlanta, because after that, 
Uh, they have some tough matchups coming up, including a game in Denver against the Nuggets, a game in Portland against the Blazers, a game at home against the Cavs, who have been very good, played the Lakers a game, uh, again at home. Then they have back-to-back games against the Rockets and a game against the Pistons, uh, three very winnable games there, followed by a meeting with the Bucks, a meeting with the Celtics, a meeting with the Hawks, a meeting with the Sixers, and a meeting with the Knicks, and then the Nets and the Warriors. <laughs> Yeah, that's going to be a rough stretch. So with that stretch looming on the horizon, the Kings need to do a, a good job taking care of business. It starts tomorrow night against the Atlanta Hawks. And what are my expectations for that game? The same full effort that you've given uh, over these last two games. It starts with that. Um, and then, of course, you'd like to see a, a little more productive Tyrese Halliburton with this level of De'Aaron Fox going forward. Unlike earlier in the season, I'm not as concerned with Halliburton having a bad game when Fox has a good game and vice versa because early on in the season, it didn't look like they were playing off of each other. In this game and in recent games, even if one has had more success than the other, they appear to be more comfortable playing off of one another. It's not just, hey, one guy stands in the corner while the other does his thing. Uh, so better uh, production out of Tyrese Halliburton, hopefully a good game from both of those, uh, plus a full effort, and the Kings have a very good chance uh, to win this game against Atlanta. And of course, after that game, regardless of a win or loss, uh, Locked on Kings will be back with the consistent post-game shows. I hope you will join me for that. I want to hear your thoughts on this Kings loss to the Lakers, your thoughts on a potential Kings and Lakers play-in game. The beauty of the play-in is that it's not a series, obviously, so... It's it's one game and and you win you you move on basically now context is important if the Lakers and Kings are well no if the Lakers and Kings are ten and nine the Kings are the ten and the ninth seed the Kings win that game the Lakers are eliminated if the Kings and Lakers meet in the second round of the play and that means the Lakers lost their first game and the Kings won their first game it's all convoluted basically if the Kings and Lakers play. The Kings only have to beat them once. And we've seen this team uh, team is capable of beating the Lakers once, regardless of where they play. Uh, I love that idea. I love that part of the play. And because if you were to put the Kings and the Lakers in a seven game series against each other, yeah, I don't think the Kings are winning four times, but winning once it's possible. And based off of how these two teams have played against each other and how they've matched up, I think it would be highly entertaining. So your thoughts potentially on a Kings Lakers play and want to hear that. Uh, and uh, I hope you will join me for tomorrow's episode uh, as the, the Kings will hopefully get a victory over the Atlanta Hawks. I am working on getting a Morgan Reagan. I've talked about that a lot. Uh, she and I have it scheduled for her to join me on uh, the Locked on Kings podcast next week. So look forward to that. Working on getting more guests for you here uh, as we start 2022. I hope you had a very happy new year uh, and can't wait to provide more great content for you uh, in this 2022 year and beyond. We'll hopefully get the chance to talk about some kind of postseason basketball with the Kings, even if it is only the play-in uh, this season. Trade deadline is coming up. I know uh, rumors and conversations are going to pick up uh, as that gets closer and closer. Let me know if you want any specific content related to who the Kings should go out and get any guys that you think should be on the king's radar that you want me to talk about send that to me as well uh, and i can't wait to uh to continue another great year here on the locked on kings podcast so thank you so much for your support as always i'll uh, have you uh, join me very very soon until then my name is matt george you have been listening to the locked on kings podcast part of the locked on podcast network